What's up, people that are tuning in? If y'all are just tuning in, I've got Evan Stewart with Obsessed Academy. Some gangster shit going on today. He's in town, and uh, let's dive right into it. Well, what I was let's explaining to you earlier, too, is, you know, I'm sure you go on most podcasts to do the same thing that you do on stage or in your podcast, uh, where, where you're telling people, you know, what it is that you do and what they can do for themselves. Mm. What our podcast is, and, and the way I try to structure it, it's for local entrepreneurs mm. or aspiring entrepreneurs, people mm. that want to own their own business, people that want to get into coaching or mentoring mm. or marketing or sure. whatever type of business they want to get in. You know, a lot of them feel alone. They don't know what to do. They mm. don't know what direction to go in. They mm. don't know where to start. And those are the stories that I try to bring out of my guest mm. is not necessarily what your business and what your services are. And let's dive sure. into that and tell me all that. That's great. I can go learn that online by going to your website or you watching can. five year seminars or listening to your podcast, which mm -hmm. I do. And it's dope. So oh, thanks. Uh, kudos on that. Thanks. What I want to do is I want somebody that wants to be in your shoes. Mm -hmm. Somebody that wants to be a coach, mm -hmm. somebody that's has a, a nine to five right now and they want to get out of it and they, they want to go start, you know, they become an expert in their industry. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, how do I transition from this nine to five making good money to being a mentor or a leader or a mm. coach or an authoritative figure in an industry so that now I can go teach this to other people mm. and turn it into a profitable career choice. Sure. Sure. So that's kind of the direction that I like to take this so that Beautiful. other aspiring people see one that they're not alone if they're trying to get it to mm -hmm. get some insight on how to do it. What would be the first steps? Mm -hmm. And most importantly, the story behind it that they can fucking relate to. Mm, I love that. And you know what? I love the fact that you're taking that angle because a lot of podcasts are, hey, well, tell me about yourself. It's like, man, we've all gotten, the, we, all, we all have a website. We all have an about page. We all have social media. Yeah. So. Well, and then the content <laughs> gets stagnant or repetitive. That's where right. You're, you're talking to a different entrepreneur every single day. And, and that's one thing that I'm careful about on my end. And we'll chop it up after this about is, you know, I'm being repetitive in a sense that I'm bring on entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. um, whether they're doing great, mm -hmm. whether they're, you know, eight figure businesses yep. or whether they're brand new, struggling their fucking ass off yep. and brand yep. new. Uh, it's the same story. How'd you get started? What's your background? Where'd mm -hmm. you go? But it is a different niche with every single person I talk mm. to. And every single time it's a completely different story. Well, there's one thing to just completely doing the same thing over and over again. And then there's another to just have some realm of being familiar. And, and familiar is important, you know, where you can have a similar structure, but when you go deep with that niche and you ask the specific questions that you do, I mean, that's why people keep coming back, man. You got good stuff. Yeah, so. I love that. I love <laughs> that. Happy to be a part of it. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Let's talk about Obsessed Academy. Sure. And, and I want to focus on what it is you're doing. Mm. Uh, but first, tell me what Obsessed Academy is. Mm. And then I want to go back a little bit and learn what that transition was, wherever it was you came from. Mm. How did you get into it? That's good. Yeah. Cause that's a, that's a story. So. <laughs> and that's the story that I want to hear. And that, I know well, our audience does. So first, what is it? Well, in short, so what Obsessed Academy does is we bring scalability and profitability to service-based organizations. Like mm. we had just talked about, it's, it's impossible or not impossible. It seems impossible to scale things that are inherently unscalable because you're only one individual and uh, service-based industries require a unique skill set. Usually you're very good at what you're doing and it's hard to bring in other people that are of the same caliber and the same quality and A, even keep them or B, get them to a point to where uh, they're of your level of expertise. And so... Uh, and do you find that it, it, in your um, due diligence or, or experience mm -hmm. that when you do bring on an employee or somebody in that position to mm -hmm. take that on, at, at what point do they decide they want to go do it for themselves? 
You know, the way I look at that is actually a little bit different. Um, We have very low churn for starters. Now we're also small, so we don't have 5,000 employees. We've got a handful of employees and affiliates. But from our standpoint, the way I look at it is the reality is the the people that you're working with are not going to be with you forever. Sure. So my expectation is not that you are going to be with me forever. It's that... A, you leave because of a step that's deeper into your calling, not because of something that we did negatively. And B, that your ability to build a better life is greatly heightened because of your time with us. I love it. So it's not, you know, the way I look at it is not, oh, I want to keep my people and, you know, screw you if you leave. It's when you leave, which is very likely, my expectation is that you leave into something that's greater and that opportunity became something you can take advantage of because of what you learned and developed under our hand. Yeah, and, and not burn that bridge and, and keep an ongoing relationship because sure. everything definitely comes back around in all these industries. Dude, absolutely. I absolutely. love it. You know, there's there certain people that entrepreneurship is for them they're born with i think people are born with it mm-hmm. you can be I taught agree. some of the tools but you either fucking got it or you don't that's that drive baby. i mean it, it's the ethic it's the drive it's, that's right uh, it, it's a fucking long laundry list it's of things. a long laundry list <laughs> and there's other people that are just comfortable working for people and, and that's and cool too they'll never leave and and i always want to encourage people to be the best that they can and mm-hmm. w- with whatever decision that they make mm-hmm. and if i can help take you to the next level and that means you're exiting my business to go be with another one You've got my support. How can I help you get there? Well, exactly. And that's, it's such a funny way to look at it because so many people, what I find is my question is, what are you protecting? You know, if I'm working for you and I leave and you're like, oh, fuck you. And you don't want to, what are you protecting? Like, is it your ego that's actually getting harmed because I'm walking away because you thought you were the best? Yeah. Which is cool. But people that are in that mindset, what I've found is in the reverse, let's say that you worked under a great mentor and they built you up and now you have an opportunity to maybe start a business or to do the thing the thing that you've always wanted to do. Wouldn't you want that person? Wouldn't you be devastated if that person you looked up to for five, eight, 10 years that you've worked so tightly with that gave you all the knowledge where you finally have an opportunity to do what you want to do? Wouldn't you be devastated if that entire relationship crumbled the day that you walked out the door? Yeah, or they were trying to hold you back after building you up. Exactly, exactly. Nah, and the good ones don't. And so it's like, what what would you be protecting? That's why our third core value is collaborate without ego. Or it's it's unity, which means collaborate without ego. There's no room for the ego in, in the big realm of trying to build something significant. That's dope. Mm-hmm. That's real dope. That's good. <laughs> well, let's take it back. So what, what made you decide? What did you do before Obsessed? So before Obsessed, I had a real estate company up okay. in the Dallas area. Yeah. And, and then before that, I had a, um, a, a technology resale company. So were you on the brokerage side? or uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So not investing, but it was on just the brokerage on resale. And we specialized in luxury, ultra luxury, and new development property. How many agents did you have working for you? Uh, it was me and a small team of marketing affiliates and assistants. Okay. My wife has a brokerage here, so I think we talked about that. We did a little bit, yeah. yeah. Well, and we'll <laughs> dive more into that later. For sure, so. for sure. Yeah, that's definitely dope. So how did it go from broker, or brokerage or mm. real estate to obsessed? Well, one of the things that I talk about is building something that aligns with your gifts. And so my gift ever since the day I was born was being able to identify things in other people that's more ambiguous, be able to put a construct and a definition to it, you know, help an individual identify the things that they're good at, a gift and a calling and get them on the right track to actually walk that. But I also know that we can all be great at something and not make any money at it. And I think money is a very important and good thing. I think it's a very good thing. And (laughs) being broke doesn't solve anything. And if you want to solve things, you got to have some bread behind you before you can make that happen. That's true. And so there's a tool that I call a platform of validity, which in short is the thing that you do so people know you're not full of shit when you start talking about something. So I knew that I had a special gift and a unique calling. I also knew that I needed to have something to prove that when I get in and talk about business and I talk about scale and I talk about personally living in alignment with a purpose, that 
people would just brush me off until I had some type of history behind me to where people knew that I wasn't full of it. So is the, the brokerage that validity? That's what it was. That, building okay. up and exiting from when I couldn't make an $800 a month apartment payment all the way to building up and exiting a multi eight figure organization. And uh, now I can say, okay, all of these things that I'm talking about, they work because they were the things that kept me from not going hungry <laughs> Yeah, and, and it works. And so that was my platform of validity and it took you know, about seven, eight years to actually get there of just keeping your head down. And, and now that's, that's what I talk to. Okay. And you're still in your twenties. Yeah. How old were you when you started and got in real estate? 19. Okay. Yeah. And so you're in your mid twenties when you exited. I'm 26. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing shit. A lot of work. You know, it's so funny because I just got back. I was speaking at a a conference up in Canada this weekend and um, everyone, you know, there was a big question. I get the question a lot of, oh, you're so young. How did you do it? It's not complicated. I didn't go out. I missed a lot of parties. I missed a lot of time. And I worked for seven or eight years, 15, 16, 18, 20 hours a day, six and seven days a week for seven years. Yeah. That's it. It's not a matter of, oh, you're young or, oh, you're old. The problem is most people don't get fed up with where their life is at until they're 35 and they hate where they're living and how they're living and who they're yeah. living with. Or in their 40s. Or, or even later. And then somewhat, it's too late. Somewhat, it's too late. Look, yeah. you're either too young, you're too old, and then you're dead. The way I looked at it was, I know what I want my life to look like, which means mapping back to where I am now. I already don't like where I'm at, so I might as well change that now. You know, like we were talking about before, we don't have kids yet. But I want my kids to have opportunities that I wasn't able to take advantage of. And that starts with me working my ass off now. You know, is that weekend of going out and grabbing beers more important than the destiny that your children are going to be able to take advantage of? My answer was no. Yeah. Well, and that's what I tell my kids now. I got four of them. Mm. So I tell them straight up. It's like, look, you can do any fucking thing you want. Mm -hmm. You just got to go out there and do it. You got got to have the grind, the work ethic. Got to have the balls to do it Mm -hmm. because lots of times it's scary. And especially this day and age, the younger generation, which you can relate to Mm -hmm. is you know, shit, I wish I grew up in this generation because I'd be a fucking ace. You but know, there's, there's so much opportunity now. There is. And, and you know, the, there's a big limiting belief that I hear because obviously because I'm still a younger professional, I work a lot with under 30. And the big limiting belief that I hear is, oh, I'm not, whatever the age is, insert yeah. here, comma, I need to wait or I can't do it Absolutely yet. Absolutely not. And what I found is age does hold you back a little bit. Age is, uh, it is a barrier for sure. But when you say, hey, I think you're too young, what you're really saying is, I'm worried that you don't have the experience to properly take care of my family the way we need to be served. Yeah, the trust isn't there yet. And so when you finally start getting those opportunities, it actually starts to play in your favor where it's, now I want to work with you because you're 23, because you're 28, because you're 33 and not 50, because they start to be able to see really how much hard work it takes to get there. And people want to work with people that work hard regardless of if you're younger or if you're older. That's just by default. True. And it's like anything in life, whether it's a car or it's a service or whatever, it's Mm -hmm. once you hit a certain age, it's outdated. Yeah. And they need fresh, you know, the young fresh blood Mm -hmm. and that's what they want to go after. Mm -hmm. And I see it in so many industries. Mm -hmm. How much traveling are you doing? Uh, a lot. I'm doing a lot of traveling do. right now. Yeah. And how does that affect the uh, family? Because uh, you're married, right? Yeah, married. And um, it, it, my family was more affected by my work when I wasn't traveling than it is right now because my wife, her gift is um, operations. I mean, she has this uncanny ability. I, 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 don't, I don't know how it works. She has this uncanny ability to go in and see the puzzle pieces of a business and just immediately be able to say, oh, we need to do this, this, and this and streamline everything. That's I mean, beautiful. It's so wonderful. So when I was working in real estate, 
I mean, there was one time a couple years back. So this means you work with your wife. I do. Yeah. She's that's, the COO of our company. That's amazing. And when I was in real estate, there was one time in particular that I worked for 43 days straight, 20 hours a day where I saw Brittany when she was asleep and came home when she was asleep and left when she was asleep for 43 days straight. And uh, that's not a healthy way to build a relationship. Sure. But now um, I made a commitment. I said, when, once I leave, because this is your gift, you're, you'll be here, not because you're my wife, but because you're damn good at what you do. And also I'm going to make sure that we, we build that time together. So now we work together, we travel together, we live together. And, um, you know, I knew I was going to marry her from the first date and we, we've been best friends for years. So it's, it's a really great relationship. So what day in that 43 day did you decide to start keeping track? <laughs> because at some point it, you had to start marking the calendar it unless was, you just got a, a, an amazing memory. Uh, well, no, what it, it, I did start marking the calendar and I appreciate you bringing attention to that because what happened was, is I was working on a really, really, really big project, really big project. And it demanded a lot of time. And I was in the grind, the hustle, like, oh yeah, we're gonna make it happen. And you know, super late nights and early mornings. And the, the honeymoon period of that wore off real quick. And so I remember I was about two or three weeks into it I'm sitting there, I'm like, damn, I'm doing this again? And gosh, I'm tired. Like, I, I work hard. I work hard, hard. But um, I still get tired. Like, sure, everybody be, does. Everybody does. You got to give your brain a break. And I was just, I mean, I was just exhausted. Like, I was I was just beyond any t- any level of tired I've ever been in in my entire life. I and couldn't, how, I couldn't. How'd that affect your life? How'd that affect everything? Well, you know, Brittany is extremely understanding. Um, so really it was through her grace and space and patience that, um, we didn't really get into deep, intense argument, but, um, I was short, I was emotional, you know, I'm an extremely disciplined person, but when I get exhausted, man, I get, I just get angry and emotional. And, and, uh, I started noticing all these little kind of inklings of that exhaustion seeping into my life and in my relationships and spirituality and finances and your mindset shifts when that discipline falls, you know, now it's back to that old scarcity mindset. No, no, no. Wait. And everything starts changing. True. And I looked back and I thought, when did this start? And it was really funny because a couple of years ago, before this point, I had felt that I was going to be moved away from real estate. I just felt that my calling was elsewhere. I would be shifted. And, um, it, that re, that time really was when it started to become real on, okay, this is not sustainable. So it was a, it was a good time. I'm glad that it happened. It was good in the sense of it awakened the, I need to be shifting now type of mindset. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I would have gotten there that soon without that really long period of just being completely exhausted. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. Of course. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's deep. So yeah, there's no way I could work with my wife. Mm. We, we would, uh, she'd probably kill me first. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. So that, that's, uh, that's something cool. And, and, that's y- okay. and you get to travel, you know, and, and you're just in Canada. So I know you get to go, you know, just across the globe, wherever. Get to do some cool so stuff. And get some real cool traveling. I've always wanted to travel. Get to write it all off. I mean. It, it, exactly. I've that, always wanted to travel. I, I love travel. I love adventure. And so, um, one of the things I didn't like about my other job was that feeling of being stuck because everything was in a couple mile radius, you know, and uh, it might sound kind of sad, but I think those that, that feel that minutia can relate is I used to take properties that were an hour away or so in towns that I hadn't heard of. And what I would do is let's say I was going to list your, you know, multimillion dollar ranch or something. I would drive out there a little ahead of time and I would pretend like I was on vacation because that was my, because I never was able to relax. So I would drive out 
and I would like park on the little main street and walk around the little Texas town and get a little ice cream cone and all these things for like that hour and just pretend I was on vacation. And so those were my little vacations. I'm like parking here and just making it a lifestyle. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. So (laughs) we get to do the real thing now. (laughs) So related to obsessed and everything that you're doing now, what is it that you actually do and what Mm. would you label yourself as, you know, what is your position? Are you a coach? Are you Mm. a mentor? Mm. Are you a, a keynote speaker? Mm-hmm. What is it that you are? What is your position within the company? That's a great question. So from a title standpoint, I'm the CEO of Assessed Academy, sure. but I call myself a strategic growth expert because okay. really my specialty is working with individuals on helping them identify a calling and a gift and a uniqueness and pulling that message that someone may have to say out of them, refining it and then distributing it to an audience that needs to hear it or working with companies, very similar platform, but with companies, how do we increase profitability, increase sales cycles, make sure that we're duplicating our best clients, keeping the right people, retention, all of the minutia of building something significant. What typical size business do you work with? So my average client is under 15 million in top line revenue, but uh, we have some clients that are multi hundred million. One of our clients is a multi-billion dollar company. And um, we have some that are so small that they're fine finding their first, you know, hundred thousand dollars and everything in between. So, but the, the, the bread and butter is under 15 million in top line. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And is obsessed Academy, um, with what you do for businesses, mm-hmm. you have an academy online as well. We do. Mm-hmm. So is that an online course? Yeah. So we have an online course that goes into some of the, the the basics of what we're working through. So getting sales teams on it, you know, simple things that are mastering objections, driving referrals, actually building an expansive, invested, and healthy relationship. When people say to have a database and work that database, how do you actually build a profitable database? Some of those things that are easy to reteach, uh, but some of the deeper, more uh, the deeper constructs of messaging and giftedness and purpose and whatnot. It's not on there yet because we've really been patient on trying to find a way to break it down into something that's scalable across a wide audience and haven't quite gotten there yet. Scalable. What about consumable? Consumable. Do you, do you find you know issues in that of how to translate it from your brain to make it an actual, and that's something I want to kind of hyper-focus on mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm going to call it coaching for lack of knowing what to call it. For sure. Uh, and I also want to talk a little bit more about online courses. I have a personal vested interest in that, mm-hmm. uh, but I kind of want to try to zero in and hyper-focus on one kind of niche specific mm-hmm. area of, of business yep. so that we're not kind of, I mean, you and I could talk for fucking hours and for be sure. all over the board. For sure. So I'm going to kind of zero you in a little bit. Let's do it. Um, but on that, you know, it, it's, what do you see are some of the, the bigger challenges? And we were just talking about, you know, building the course. Mm-hmm. And I want to, man, because I'm building one this year. And, and my goal is to launch it by the end of the year. And hopefully mm-hmm. sooner. I'm just so fucking busy. Yeah. And I'm sure you are too. So what <laughs> are sure. some of your biggest challenges and trying to expand that and grow it? Um, the first is the word you touched on, which is consumable. And so there is a couple of specific qualifiers that I ask, which are directly relatable to this type of a course. And the first is this question of what do I get through a relationship with you that I cannot get anywhere else that the consumer might be thinking. So you've got this great course, but there's a lot of other marketing, a lot of other sales, a lot of other business, a lot of other personal development courses out there. What do I get through your relationship and working with your product that I cannot get anywhere else? So the first thing is I try and answer that and you answer that through the content. You answer that through if you have some type of system, can it be proprietary? Can you protect it? Um, But then the other one is, also goes back to being consumable. Can this be something that an individual across a wide spectrum of different success levels or different places in the organization can consume? If the answer is yes, then great. You've got a check mark. If the answer is no, it doesn't mean you have something bad. It just means now you might have a really niche product. So maybe this is for management and 
business owners in marketing instead of the entire company, things like that. So my question as I started breaking down my content was, do I have something that is scalable across a business? And if the answer was no, which some, some of those things are no, some is just business ownership and management, is it receivable across a wide array of different industries if that position exists in the industry? So my sales training, can we teach that in marketing? Can we teach that in insurance? Can we teach that in you know a wide array of different industries? That type of thing. Okay. So you look at it from a scalable perspective first. I always look at scalability. I don't okay. want to be a, a, a self-employed jail cell. I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I like to look at it from a, a, a contextual standpoint mm-hmm. or a consumable standpoint first mm-hmm. to make sure I'm putting out the good content that people want to consume that they're willing to pay for. That's right. <clears throat> and I always look at that first before worrying about scaling. Mm. Do you see that one should come before the other? I think they're both equally important. Um, you need to be able to scale the thing that people are consuming and you need to have something that they can consume before you can scale it. And so I think it's kind of the chicken before the egg type of thing. Yeah, I do, for sure. I, I think if we're having a hierarchy, consumable would be probably more important than scale because if people aren't consuming it, there's nothing to scale. Yeah, no shit. But you know, at the end of the day, they, they have to be looked at in a very similar conversation at a very similar time period when you're starting to produce the content. Where do you see being the main revenue streams in a business? If I'm gonna be a coach, mm. and I'm gonna go do speaking engagements mm. and conferences, mm. and I've got my online course, where am I gonna make my revenue streams? Well, the concept of being in front of many instead of one is extremely important. So where you would make the revenue would be in a reoccurring revenue model from a course or something like that. But speaking can be extremely profitable. Um, It can also be a giant waste of time. So I see a lot of our revenue coming in, as far as what I'm personally doing, uh, coming in from the speaking side of things, just getting in front of large audiences. Now, is it the speaking engagement itself that you're getting compensated for, or is it the after effects of the notoriety of people seeing you, of building the trust, the credibility, and then those people become your audience, follow you, and it trickles down. It's it, it's that. It's the trickle down because you can demand a high speaking fee. I mean, look, I mean, if I come in and I say I'm charging $75,000 to speak on the stage, well, that's still 75 Gs, but that's also not very sustainable. It's the trickle effect of having... And it's not reoccurring. It's not reoccurring, no. And it's having the best version of what you're trying to present. You know, it's like that first date, the best, you look good, you smell good, you, everything looks good. Putting that out there, people connect with it and now they want to, to buy. And so going back and saying, how do we continue this relationship? I love what I heard you say over here. I, I'd love to work with you. I feel like we've got some similarity there. And now you've got them in your system. That's really the benefit is because this is great content. Video is great content. Social media is great content. But the problem is there's still that barrier of technology or that barrier of when I can see you and you're just right over there and I can feel your passion, that is going to lead me to a point of inspiration to where I want to buy if I connect with what you do professionally. Yeah. Speaking is powerful. And, and, and I tell everybody in my videos and everything that we do that, you know, face-to-face marketing is still very alive. Oh my gosh. And it's Absolutely. still getting results. Absolutely. And, and when you, you know, when you, and, and me being a digital strategist, you know, I, I, I used to think, and, and I was full of shit. I don't know. What, <laughs> I was lying to myself. I was like, you don't need to go to these networking events. You don't need to get in front of people. You don't need to tell everything's digitally. Just if they're looking on, for it on Google, you make your something pop up. That's right. And there you That's go. That's right. Uh, But the face-to-face marketing is still very live. There's nothing more powerful, even still, than a, hey, man, this is awesome. You got to check this out. Yeah. There's nothing more powerful. You can see ads for that new taco joint all day long, but it's not until you get three friends that are like, man, you've got to check this out. Then you're going. Yeah. And, And it's still people... 
downplay it, I believe, but relationships and referrals, I believe now are even more important than they were due to the fact that there's such a high level of saturation in everything but. Has there ever been a point between real estate and this that you ever hit where you were like, you know, am I making the wrong decision? Mm. Am I not going to make it? This shit doesn't look as bright as I thought it was going to be. And I, this might be a failure and I might've made the wrong choice. Sure. Absolutely. Um, tell me about that. Yes and no. So not to get too deep into, into church, but I'm a person of a, of a Christian faith and that's important to me. That's amazing. So, so for me, the answer was no, because I truly felt that God put a very specific and distinct calling on my life and moved me distinctly out of the industry. So for me, it was a trust in the faith and the walk and the obedience of what that calling actually was. And there's no doubt when you're moving in complete faith. Now, it was also the, for me, those issues really stemmed from my time in real estate and not in transition. Because in real estate, I saw kind of this catch-22 of, look, I mean, money was good, life was good, great houses, great cars, great people, doing all sorts of the the, the live in the life. Sure. But I, I really didn't like it. Like I, I hated actually how I was living. And I, I looked around and I thought, I've got all of it. Like I thought I would have to be, you know, middle-aged before I made millions of dollars. And I'm looking around saying, okay, I've got all of these things that I thought would be great and fulfilling. And what I found was is that I was living so deeply out of alignment with my calling and my gift that the friction wasn't stemming from the fact anything else other than that. So for me, it was, I don't care if I go and make money. I know I will because I know how, but the thought process is all I need is to be back in alignment with that calling. Yeah. Everything else will follow. Yeah, and so there's such an assurance on that. I'm like, look, if it fails, I'll follow my own sword and die and try again. Yeah. But I just hated what I was doing so much. I'm, I was like, screw it. So I'll the financial it. gratification wasn't your why? No, no, yeah. not at all. I mean, money's a great thing. It is. But it's just money. Well, and I think that's, <laughs> you know, real important because when you go into business, whatever the fuck it is, if you don't put the focus on how much you're going to make mm-hmm. or what you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. And you just focus on being authentic and doing something that you love mm-hmm. and, and putting it out there to help others. Mm. That's going to be the gratification that you need. Absolutely. And, and it, Absolutely. it doesn't matter where the bank account, like you said, you can have the house and the cars and the fucking Lear jets and all that fun shit. Yeah. But if you're not happy with what you're doing, it, it's all materialistic bullshit that nobody cares about anyways. It's terrible. And you're not fulfilling anything inside. Well, and the other thing is, Again, going back to some of those questions of, okay, well, you're young and you've, you've accomplished a good amount. The thing is, is that the way I operate is not with a profits first mindset. It's with a people first mindset on, I believe that a transaction is a byproduct of a vested relationship, not the goal of the relationship, which means that. Dude, that's wh- a good line. Isn't that great? <laughs> you, 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 you've been doing this shit for a while. I need to step up my game. That's right. That's right. But, but what that means in short and in layman's terms is you've got to legitimately give a shit about the other person before you take their, their Absolutely. Dollar. You and do. It, and it, it's not this, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm working for free. I'm not saying to work for free. I'm yeah. saying that you must front load with so much value. The reason that I could build that business and the reason why OA has just shot up even in the last couple of months from when we first started is because everything that we do is client value driven. I'm not, I'm literally not even worried about the profits. Profits will follow the first yeah, couple of come. months, dude, the first couple of months of 2019, it was not profitable. And I was like, well, maybe I don't know about this, but, <laughs> but then what happens is things start going back again and again and again. And dude, our sales staff, when they pick up the phone and call, like we get answers and callbacks. And when we hit the voicemail, people are excited, man, I can't wait to hear from you. Good to hear from you. I mean, because we front loaded with so much relational equity, 
that when it's time to transact, it just happens. Yeah. I've got a backload list. We're about to launch the Obsessed Conference next week, the, the, the 2020 event. I've got a backloaded list. We're going to sell half of it, half of it almost in the first seven days. That's crazy. Just from, they've been hitting us up. Man, he said you're going to launch in January. It's almost the end of January. I got six people that want, I mean, and so when you've got that, that level of advocacy, people who are evangelizing your mission, yeah, profits follow because they're excited to transact. You don't have to pull it out of them. And that's a beautiful thing. And you're helping helping lives. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's got to feel good at the end of the day. It does. It really so does. So for somebody that wants to, you know, somewhat like we are talking about earlier, somebody wants to get in this as a business model. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be some of the first steps if somebody wants to, you know, they feel like they're an expert in their industry. Sure. They're real good at it. Mm-hmm. They want to share that knowledge. They mm-hmm. want to give back. They want others to succeed. Yes. What would be those first steps in somebody creating a course or being able to go be a speaker at events? Mm. You know, it's they didn't have a, a real estate business that they sold for eight figures. They sure. don't have a million bucks in sure, the bank. Sure, 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 sure. They, they don't have the, they can't take the risk to, you know, just go without income for a year while they build a company. Mm-hmm. What would be some of those first steps? Let's say they're still working, yep. you know, to yep. pay the bills. Yep. What would be the first couple steps for somebody that wants to go into this? Man, you're going to love my answer because it falls right into your wheelhouse and that's content master, masterful content because the problem is too many people try and jump into the monetization. Oh, if you shit. think that you're really good at, I know you're like preaching to the choir. If you think you're really good at something, you have to start showing that you're good at it sure. because much of your world is wrapped in your current identity. So let's say for example, you're in insurance and you're kind of doing your thing and you're making a living, but you're just amazing at I don't know, brand visualization. And you just can pick up where issues lie in other companies and you can you just have this gift, but everybody knows you as the insurance guy. Yeah. So what's gonna happen is you're going to look distracted and not focused. You could be immensely focused, but because it's packaged in a way that's within context of your previous identity, it's a distraction, right? The fact isn't the fact, it's the perception of the facts that people will interpret who you are and what you're doing. And so if you have something inside of you, you think, man, I'm really good at this and I would love to do it. You have to start creating content, not focused on monetization, but just content around show you being the expert. Sure. If you're damn good at accounting and you want to start an amazing accounting firm, put together content of transforming someone's life by giving them financial advice. Put together content of actually going in and talking about these things and not worrying about bringing yeah, it Yeah, and you're saying do it for free to get Absolutely. the content out there. Absolutely. Do it for free. Make videos. Start a podcast. Get on other shows. Write a little ebook and then distribute it. I mean, do it for free. Because as you build up that audience, the problem is when you try and monetize, nobody's listening or gives a shit yet. The reason why these great quote unquote influencers can sell is because they've got 100,000 eyes that are all eager for the next thing. It's just now the next thing is either this great video that dropped on YouTube or maybe this $200 ticket to the next conference in your town, something like that. You need to build that audience base first because most people, nobody even knows about you, whether or not you're an expert yeah. and that's your own fault. Well, and I think that I'll use myself as an example because mm-hmm. I've been creating content that I'm putting out there without, you know, any expectations of monetary gain from it mm-hmm. for the last year since we started this. That's right. That's right. And I've done it genuinely and I'm not one to talk about myself either. That's all right. That's uh, all right. But I genuinely did it because I want to help others. I want to help other businesses mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and more so I want to help people that, you know, kind of came from more humble beginnings like I did. I sure. came from fucking nothing. Sure, sure. I'm a high school dropout. Nobody ever gave me shit. Yep. And, and that's my why. That's my goal is mm. I want to get to a financial level where 
I can have my shit sustainable running itself, like you said, so I'm going to call you when I need to do that, <laughs> when I get big enough. Sure. And then I want to go help other people mm-hmm. that were never given shit. Mm-hmm. All the odds are against them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's people don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. They don't have mentors or anybody, or even parents to teach them or tell them mm-hmm. what the next step is or that's willing to invest in their, their ideas and strategies. And that's my why. And that, that's the direction that I'm taking. It's powerful. Um, and, and it's all starting with, I've been spending a straight fucking year doing these videos, putting content out there without asking for anything in return. Mm-hmm. So I completely get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And when it's authentic and you do it for the right reasons, that's what's going to help, I guess, get people launched. It is. And I would even say content first, but going back to one of the things you talked about of you've got to get in front of people, whether it's workshops, whether it's speaking, whether it's just being present in a certain room, you have to get in front of people. So the content is first, but then the network, and that's a network of peers. That's a network of audience that has to be built. So again, what do I get through a relationship with you that I cannot get anywhere else? If you're just another insurance agent that's talking about, oh, you've got to do this, this, and this with your money and you'll make a million bucks. Dude, I can find a hundred thousand of you. What's the one component, the one thing that you know without the shadow of a doubt, I don't see this being duplicated. Build on that. Because that's what people will be attracted to. Well, the other thing you said that I really like that I don't hear a lot of, mm. you know, is you said audience, mm. but you also said peers. Yeah. And I think that's a very important factor that a lot of people are missing on. Mm-hmm. They're so worried about their audience and, and who's following them and yeah. getting content for that audience yeah. that they forget the whole peer side. Yeah. And there's zero network there. Mm-hmm. So they're 100% reliant mm-hmm. on their audience. I'll give you a tip on that, how I figured that out. In my real estate company, this is how most real estate works. Let's say you're an agent. You get a property, you put it out to the world. You put it in nice magazines. If it's a nice property, put it in nice magazines, put it in nice places, put it, you know, partner with all these nice car dealership and Range Rover. Anyway, um, in my company, the way I marketed is I marketed to agents, not to the community. Because the agents are the ones that actually get paid when they sell the property. Sure. And so my marketing was to the agents yeah. in particular. On, makes- I know that you've sold 10 homes in the zip code. Here's one that's not on market. Wouldn't you still like to be the dawn of the zip code? Sure. And I moved so many properties through a peer network, just like with OA, getting on stages. Some of the stages I've been getting on, some of the things I can't quite announce yet, but that are coming up. Some of the, the biggest opportunities have been through a peer network of support. And so don't underestimate the power of somebody who's in a similar walk of life supporting you along the way it can be more powerful than even a hundred thousand people looking at you if it's the right person absolutely it's all about mutually beneficial relationships that's right and whether that's with peers or with businesses Mm -hmm. that's one thing i tell you know clients and and people that i work with is make sure that it's a a true you know everybody's like oh it's a win-win do this win-win-win yeah and most time it's bullshit. It's like, no, motherfucker, you're winning and this dude's losing. And he's getting, he's getting milk dry. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It, when you can truly make it a mutually beneficial relationship mm-hmm. where everybody wins, mm-hmm. whether it's a friendly relationship, it's a peer group, or it's a client or potential client. That's right. That's when everybody truly fucking wins. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's good stuff. So tell me, you know, you do a lot of on, on stage speaking. Mm-hmm. I do. What yeah. would be the difference for the audience out there that's a little less familiar with it? Sure. What's the difference between a keynote speaker, a conference, mm-hmm. a mastermind, mm-hmm. you know, all the different terms that are kind of hot points that yeah. everybody's throwing out there? Uh, you know, what is the difference between all of those? But before you answer that, sure. I first want to ask you, what do your th- every it's driving me crazy and i'll be honest with you and we can talk about this offline mm-hmm. i'm launching a course 
by the end of this year, uh, I'm working on all this fucking year, how mm-hmm. to launch a business. Mm. It's how to build a business from fucking scratch. And I've built so many of them. And I have so many people, you know, uh, clients that I help with from a marketing perspective, but sure. I also consult with them on building businesses or just friends or peers or people that I know mm-hmm. that, that need help building a business. So I'm going to do a course from A to Z. Mm. That's a great idea. The, I mean, the simple shit, how to, how to get a DBA. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take Hector with me and we're going to vlog it. Yep. And we're going to go to the store and get a, a fucking DBA yep. for a business. And I'm yep. going to come back and then I'm going to post it. And I'm also going to do a, a, a podcast about it. So mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot of different assets that I'm not seeing out there. But sure, sure. Without going off in that, which I could for a while. What are your thoughts about all of these coaches out there? All of these people out there saying, you know, buy this program. We're mm-hmm. going to make you rich. Or, <laughs> you know, the, the three steps to success. Oh, yeah. Buy this for five ninety nine, and you'll be rich. And. Like it is so overly saturated oh right now gosh. with fucking coaches and mentors and millionaires yes. and Learjets that it's even got me, you know, hesitant to like, you know, I don't want to be labeled with those people. No, like I, I'm scared. I hate, I'm scared to launch coach. my course. So what are your thoughts about that? Speak to that for a minute. Cause it, it's driving me fucking crazy. And it's even got me doubting that I should even put my course out there. The, the problem is there's this, and what you're looking at is this master or monster push of entrepreneur coaches who are coaching entrepreneurs who have never actually been an entrepreneur. That's, and it's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? See there. And, and I, and I, it's funny you mentioned that term. Cause I really don't associate with that term coach because it's a lot of bullshit. I don't need somebody telling me, Oh, you can be better. Right. Yeah. Personal development goes out the window when bills come in. The I door. hate the like, word coach. <laughs> I hate the word consultant yeah, or consulting fees. I don't feel like I'm better than anyone. I just no, want to help people. It, ex- exactly. And so I don't think there's a real title for that. I, I call myself, you know, I, I will use you the said term it cons- earlier. What did you say earlier? I, I, I said it. I was strategic growth consultant. I love so it. I, I will use the, the phrase consultant, but sure. really what I focus on is like, you want to build something that's profitable or build an actual life around something that you love. Like that's it. You either build something here or you build something here. That's what I do is I come in and I fix that. And the problem is, is that so many people, what they're looking for the easy way out. And what they found is, oh, if I can just sell the fact that I'm not full of shit, then people will buy the things that I'm trying to sell them. And I can keep milking. There's someone, I'm not going to drop names, but there's someone who's really, really big in that space who's completely full of crap. There's a couple and of them. Well, there's a lot actually, but, but a couple in particular and it's funny because the sustainability of the relationship isn't there, which is why people don't like it because it's like, yeah, I tried this and it didn't work. Or I tried this and it didn't. And it's not because they're people that are just wanting a quick answer. They could be entrepreneurs who are really looking for a solution, but they're plugging into dead outlets. There's nothing actually there. And so I think the difference, and especially for your listeners, if there's someone on the other side of this nodding their head thinking, yes, I've been there. If you actually have an answer, that's where that audience comes in. So I would even challenge you from a content piece, not just showing this is how you start a business, but take someone who says, I would love to do this and help them start their business and bring it to profitability Already and map it. that entire, exactly map that entire thing. We're going to vlog the whole it, entire thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And that's, that's the difference where you can say, here's how I've done it. Right? Like you can get on stage and you can say the right things and you can do the right things and people can buy, buy, but what happens after the yeah, fact? Yeah, don't tell me, show me. It, exactly, show me. And then the other phrase that is really powerful is what specifically. And what I mean by that is when you're asking what specifically about what you've done here 
do you believe is applicable to where we're at yeah. here? How's it going to relate? Exactly. You must find the association. And if they feed you bullshit, that means they're going to be feeding you bullshit. And you can read right through the bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I, um, I think that this is applicable. It's like, okay, no, no. <laughs> but if it's, hey, let me tell you, because I did this, this, and this here, and I see similarities here, that's how we can map this roadmap because I've done it four times. It's like, okay, now we can talk. And that's where people fail is they don't actually question you have to question everything. I, I, I fully believe that most people are good people, but there's also a lot of people that are full of shit out of the gate too. Or, so. they're, they're, or they're just trying to survive and they're, they're trying to jump on a, a bandwagon exactly. to, to, for income. Just wait for purposes. all the CBD coaches to start coming out. I mean, <laughs> I won't say nothing about CBD. Oh yeah. yeah I, yeah. I have a big client with CBD. <laughs> <laughs> the coaches in particular though, but you're right, man. You're right. Yeah. That's going to be interesting space. So tell me about the difference when it comes to conferences and, and different speaking engagements. Sure. And I'm, I'm hearing those hot points, those keyword terms. What, what's a keynote speaker? What's a mastermind? Mm. What's the conference? Mm. What's, what's, you know, the webinars and seminars, what's all the shit going on? What's real? What should people listen to? Sure. Absolutely. Well, the first thing that they listen to is the person that they you know, do your research the person that's presenting needs to be someone that you would trade places with in that state. So if you're going to be on stage and you're talking about money, do I want my money to look like your money? If the answer is yes, I'm going to listen. If the answer is no, then I'm not. Right? If I'm trying to get built and you're freaking 300 pounds overweight, I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. It's just common sense. Cater to your um, audience. But the difference is, you know, when I look at conferences and keynotes, it's a very highly prepared, highly polished, uh, very... Um, uh, very large audience, very, very polished. And when I look at workshops, when I look at masterminds, it's very raw. I mean, I'm doing a workshop tomorrow. I'm doing a conference, but I'm also doing a, a, a kind of a workshopping type session and I might go off my phone. Is this going to be me just kind of rolling? I don't have slides or a PowerPoint. And yeah, and tell me like the that. difference between the two. So the conference is a speaking engagement. You're going to speak to a large audience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and talk about something specific. Yeah. And then the actual workshop that you're mm -hmm. going to be doing you're going to be touching specific subjects. So kind of explain, exactly. break down the difference of what the two is. Well, and it's also the, the difference between a conference and a workshop also can stem from the amount of audience that's actually there. So a lot of workshops, I mean, we're talking about 15, 20, 30 people. I mean, it gets really, really, really deep. We can go back and forth and do questions and we can talk about, Hey, how is this applicable? Or I'm struggling with this and I'm hearing this. How do we make those connections? And so if you're looking to really get your hands into it, then a workshop is a great place to start. Mastermind is a term that's typically a really high level workshop in a unique place with high level people. It's usually very high ticket. My mastermind is $25,000 and that's a six month term. But it's also getting you in the room with some some people in there are very, very high earners and run very large businesses. And let's let's talk about you that know. again or back up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Pause. So, and that's for the audience too. So it's 25,000 for a six month term. Mm -hmm. Is that... Is there one show they go to? Is there one mastermind mm. or do you do them weekly or monthly? Sure. There's, there's, uh, how does we, that we really have, break down? Absolutely. So we have, uh, in person and we have weekly meetings as far as what's weekly actually online. So we all hop on a group call. We talk about a strategy we're working on, but we also have monthly in-person get togethers in a, in a really big kind of fancy retreat to get in a, an inspiring place. And I'll bring in some special guest speakers cool. and things like that. So it's 25 grand for the six months. Yep. Right. Exactly. Y'all do monthly in person. Yeah. Y'all do weekly on the phone or in phone conferences. Uh, yeah, the video calls on video mm -hmm. video conferences. Mm -hmm. Yep, okay, and of cool. course access to a whole bunch of other things. And and the, the mastermind really is important because, uh, and and that's not a plug for mine. This is a description of what it is. You, there are there could be some great ones and there are also really crappy ones. But masterminds can be important. That's when you've got a little bit to play with. And they're not always that expensive. I mean, some can be a couple hundred bucks. I mean, sure. But but one of the things that I discovered is it it's not wrong to pay to get into the right room. 
If no, absolutely not. So many people are like, oh, I need to earn my way there. Well, if I could close that gap that would take me three years with $10,000, I'm going to close it right now. Yeah, why not? So it's not, there's no wrong reason to actually get in that room. And the mastermind is that workshop concept we talked about, but it's a discussion in a workshop among really high level, uh, usually business owners or entrepreneurs or people who are experts in a certain space in a super private environment. So you can go back and forth and share ideas and I've had some amazing ideas come out of Mastermind. And I'm assuming y'all can do that offline directly as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Associated with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the point. If you don't have a network, find one. And are there other people within that Mastermind that, you know, kind of splits the proceeds from sure. that financially? <laughs> well, yeah, you can do that too. I mean, if you want to, to get plugged with a bunch of other people. But what I've typically found is when you're in the right room, it's not a matter of the entry point. Oftentimes you can even, you can make so much money with the people that are there anyway yeah. that it doesn't even matter. You know, if I give you a dollar and you give, and you give me two back, I'm going to give you all my money. <laughs> sure. And yeah. So, as soon as you find out that positive ROI. Exactly. And that's where you talked about relationships. If you're in a room of other high achievers, everyone wants to support one another. So now it's just a matter of, do we have something here that we can take professionally? Sometimes it's no, but if it's yes, you're talking with people who are, who want really strong professional relationships. So would you say it is a more dialed in or hyper-focused networking organization mm -hmm. with people in your industry just on a higher level. Absolutely. Absolutely. On a very high level gotcha. and people who have a very open mind and are willing to grow. Gotcha. You know, conferences, you can get people that are just exploring, trying to feel like conferences like the buffet can taste a little bit of everything. Yeah. But when you drop some serious money and you get into a room with serious people, um, you have to get really, really hyper-focused. So is that part of the sales funnel? You know, when you look at it it's from part a, of mine. when yeah. you look at it from a bird's eye view, you know, you go do these conferences and these speaking engagements to an audience of 20,000 people yeah. or 200 people, whatever yeah. that number is. And then part of that idea or goal is to bring them down a sales funnel to where they join one look, of your I'll, masterminds. I'll, I'll drop, I've got a five-step system right now in my business. I'll drop that right now. I'm, I'm transparent with how I operate. I speak and I have a certain speaking fee. I have uh, uh, my you know, free content. I've got my Facebook group and things like that. So the Facebook group is free, but it's also specific. We're building out a native app, but it's not done yet. It'll probably be done at the end of this year. Eventually it'll be that. So we've got all this free content and super low barrier to entry content. And then my first real product is OA Online, which is my online academy. And from there, I've got boot camps, which I run on a bi-monthly basis, which is really intense, bringing additional speakers, work for a weekend, high level items. So boot camp are, is- Are those boot camps in person? Yeah, they're okay. in person. Yeah, you come into town, we take take care of you, get a great place, get high level speakers and really get you in a rhythm of thinking at a higher level with tactical roadmap advice. I hate bullshit. Yeah. I don't want it and I won't feed it to yeah, you. Yeah, it's, so. it's not fucking worth it. There's exactly. so many motherfuckers out there pushing just repurpose content. Exactly. Bullshit that doesn't work. Like you were saying, there you know all these multi-thousandaires that have are these entrepreneurs that have been doing it for zero years. Exactly. exactly. Teaching entrepreneurs how to do nothing. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. It's ridiculous. And so it's tactical. From there we go to the mastermind, which is twenty-five for six, and then from there, depending on where people want to take it, you know, we can go back into a cycle of boot camps. I've got my conference, and then if people want a one-to-one -one relationship, we can work one-to-one. -one. It's a hundred thousand dollars up front. And Real we'll cool. work together in a certain capacity. That's dope. Yeah. So, so it's just, you know, you get up that ladder of commitment. And what I found is people were working the online, start making some money. Oh, this works. I need to get plugged into the boot camp, do a couple boot camps. Oh, this really works because now I'm making even more money. I need more of this mastermind. Oh, this really works. And then you plug into a really high, high level ticket. Yeah. And it's also putting them into different price levels. Well, and it's accountability too, because if my expectation is that we build a vested relationship, don't you think that you wouldn't be with me if you weren't making money? It's like, that's it. You know, when you hire someone to do a job, they either do it or they don't. 
Yeah. It's not rocket science. So when you put clear expectations, I tell people my expectation is that we are together for a very long time. Yeah. I would love that. I'm the same way. Exactly. So that means that there's accountability for me to actually produce and there's an expectation for you to listen. I love it. And, and speaking more to the entrepreneur side of things for people that want mm-hmm. to jump into this or, you know, it, it's thank you for the content. I mean, oh, you're, sure. you're fucking putting fire out there. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm obsessed about it. I love it. <laughs> what type of overhead you know, what are your staff requirements? Mm. You know, somebody that wants to do this for themselves, mm-hmm. whether it's me or people audience, uh, the audience listening, ah. what type of staff requirements does this take? You know, are you a one man show and all this is going in your pocket? Cause that's all people see. Yeah. You yeah. know, they see you <laughs> and this one guy and I'm paying him a hundred grand and you know, this dude's getting rich off me. Yep. You know, what are the yep. staff requirements? What is the overhead of traveling and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, all of the associated fees that come with it? There's so much. And there is a large staff requirement. You need to delegate all things that aren't your absolute strength. And what people don't see is what you're not paying for that time. You're paying for the decade that you didn't have to spend building something yeah, else to learn. Exactly. From, you know, and the other thing is like, look, you may throw me 100 G's, but I tell you what, I just dropped 150 to launch this conference and we're about to launch that next week. Like it's all going back into the cycle of giving back. Sure. And so it's not all just going in, into a pocket. If there's somebody who's really thinking about where they start. What I would absolutely recommend is so simple, but it's powerful. You can immediately listen to this podcast and start. Make a list of highest value income producing activities. So the highest value could be closing the freaking sale. I'm gonna stop you. Yep. Dummy that down for my audience. Okay. Um, just, you know, it's, I know you're on stage, you're pitching the shit That's all right. day long, you rattle it off. That's right. Actually, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Dummy it down for me. Okay. okay. Say, just say it slower so I can comprehend and understand. So we'll, we'll look at it like this. You want to get started. The question is how and what does the overhead look like, right? Get a piece of paper and start writing out the number one way you can be spending your time is earning money, which is how do you earn the money? Okay. So maybe it's closing deals. Write that down. Maybe it's uh, working with uh, great people of a high caliber. Write that down. You start literally putting down on paper all of the ways that you spend your time. And you're going to prioritize it. So maybe type it out so you can move things around and sure. excel or something. But little things like checking email, social media, grabbing coffee, driving, all of these little things. And look at, start sorting on what gets you closer to the money. Yeah. Okay. In, in a business standpoint. So closing deals, that's right at the very top because money's up here. And checking email and driving is probably way down here. Yeah. That type of thing. And if you're looking for where to find staff, what I did, and this is how you break self-employment, by the way, just a quick tip for anybody that's there. How you did is you start hiring the things that get you, that are further away from the money. Okay. The very last things you hire are the expert closers. But before then, you can hire someone to do your assistant work and run your social and respond on email and run your calendar. And then before then, you can have someone that can double check your contracts, someone that can, and you, you start chopping off from the bottom all the way up. I mean, literally, I had, I think I may still have it in my closet, a yellow legal pad of just writing all this out, closing deals, meeting the right people, negotiating all the way down to frigging email and driving. Will you send me a copy of that? For sure. And you just, you just, you just write, just go through your day. And if you don't know, be diligent and take a log. What did you do? Did you go to the freaking bathroom? I mean, everything, everything, write down everything and then just map it. Highest value, closest to the money, closest to getting that and lowest value, and you just start siphoning that off. The first person that most people need to hire is an assistant yeah. to take care of the minutiae, not the salesperson. Because what happens when you get more sales? Well, now your ass is doing more paperwork at three in the morning. Yep. You know that type of thing. Is there a software or app that you use to help manage that process? You know, when you're still a, a one-man show or mm-hmm. two-man show, mm-hmm. is there apps that you would recommend that people could use to help manage that process? Yes. 
and not one, but you can find a couple together. In fact, because there wasn't one, we're actually building one right now. That, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, or are you building one? We're, we're people... building one, but um, a great task manager is Asana mm-hmm. and it's free too, which is great for a lot of people getting out of that space. They don't want to sure. be spending um, just a way to prioritize, move things around and then assign tasks as well. So you can have a specific board and a project and just keep it in track. I would recommend Asana, any type of calendar just to keep things on the calendar. And then you've got to have a CRM. Um, we're partnered with HubSpot. I like HubSpot a whole lot, uh, but any CRM that you can use a customer relationship management software, a way to track your relationships in relation to the deals. If you just have task management calendar, and some type of strong way to see the relationship between the money and the people, that's a great foundation to get started on. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. Tell me, what has been the biggest hurdle in all of this? Mm. Where's your pain point? In doing all this, mm. what, what, what is that pain point that you just don't like that you have to deal with? Right now or just in my entire journey? Either. The first was... Uh, well, I, 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 I always live in the future a little bit. So it's, I always have a constant struggle with being grateful with where I'm at, but never satisfied. And that is a pain point because sometimes you can, you start getting too hyper-focused on one goal that's five years out and like today needs to be taken care of too. And so that's where Brittany comes into play. She's good at that. Um, but my first struggle, my first big struggle that I had to overcome really was knowing my shit to a T, but being brushed off because I was too young and didn't have the beard. I was, I mean, I was young. I'm still young. Like I I get that, but that was a really big hurdle because knowing that I was young, I got really, really educated and I knew, I mean, I knew everything. I could rattle off prices and owners and history and statistics. And so by the time I started getting opportunities, I just blew them out of the water, but it took me my first eight months. I made $1,200 before taxes. So no. (laughs) And, um, and that was, that was a big, big struggle. And so really what that stems from is just that constant need to be finding these, that platform of validity. And so out of the entire journey that I've been on so far, that was probably the hardest to overcome. There were some hard, hard days on that. What's been the dopest shit about all of this? What, what's the best part? You know, you get to travel with a wife. That's got to be amazing. That's actually, that's, that's probably it. But honestly, it's just, I've lived my entire life to finally be in alignment with what I felt God needed me to do. And now that I'm actually here, like every single day is just so fulfilling because I'm able to touch people in the way they need to be impacted. I'm able to work with audiences. I'm able to travel. I'm able to spend time with my wife and, uh, and have a really great time doing it. And so that, uh, gosh, man, I've been, I've been waiting so long for that. Like that's, that's awesome. That, that really brings me joy. I love yeah. it. I mean, honestly, I had a couple more questions. I'm not even going to go there. I really want to end it on that note. For sure. It's been an absolute pleasure having you in. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, man. Where can people find Obsessed Academy? Man, well, you can uh, hit me up on social. It's all at Real Evan Stewart. You can find my site at ObsessedAcademy.com or next week. So final week in January, depending on whenever this drops, we're going to be launching the Obsessed Conference. We've got an amazing lineup this year. We've got a monster space. Uh, it was an old bomb factory in Dallas. So it's, it's all decked out. You can go to obsessedconference.com and that site's going to be launching with ticket options next week. And we're okay. going to probably sell out pretty quick. So you should get on that. Real cool. Tell me the Instagram one more time. Uh, at real Evan Stewart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put the real in front of the guy. That's right. Real. That's right. Evan Stewart, Obsessed Academy. Appreciate right. you coming on the show. Thank you for having Ladies me. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been fucking absolutely amazing. Appreciate y'all tuning in today. I'm Jonathan Wiseman. This is Evan Stewart. This was The Grit. We'll see you on the next one. Take care, guys.